guys welcome back to another episode of break loose i'm your host bianca i know from the title you are already seeing that we are not going to be talking about boundaries which is a part two of part one uh the story is that my therapist had recommended the book after i wrote the treatment on boundaries so that's why i feel like because of the new information that i'm getting i would be valuable that i add some references from the book with the part two um but don't worry next week probably is when i'll be releasing part two today we're going to be talking about the most important self-concept self-worth where did it go where did it go sis self-worth is when you radically accept the facts imperfect imperfections beautiful flaws about yourself and still accepting that you are valuable that even regardless of your background, your childhood, your educational level, your skin color, your circumstances that you have overcome and what people might have said, you still put yourself and yourself, basically you still put your self-esteem in high regard. Having a healthy self-worth image is so important because you understand that everyone else's opinion or judgment of you, whether it be your pastor or your mom or society in general, that in retrospect, that doesn't change or twist internally how you feel about yourself. Second time, I'm, this is the second time I'm referencing Dr. Brene Brown when she says that our self-worth and our belonging, which is within our boundary borders, values, choices, belief, limits, etc. are not negotiated with other people. Just like most self-concepts, self-worth is linked to our belief system, how we perceive ourselves, and to a great extent, how we think other people perceive us. Our self-worth is what, believe it or not, allows us to receive the good that we desire. The same way that a poor self-image if we don't approve ourselves and genuinely believing that we don't deserve good things, no matter how bad we want them, it is less likely we manifest them. And even if we do by sheer luck, I guess, um, these things happen or we get them, we will lose them because you don't feel that you are worthy. You're not a vibrational match. You lose them. We want to be careful, though, that we don't go on a pursuit for things based on our insecurities because that is when we temper with our own self-worth. We have to move away from this destination. I don't know what you call it, but it's this idea that when you obtain a certain thing, that's when you feel a certain way about yourself. That once you perhaps lose weight, only then will you feel beautiful. Once you accomplish A and B, only then will you feel worthy to be in a relationship, in a company, in a clique, whatever it is. If you're wanting for something only for it to validate you or boost your ego in some proportion, that these things will make you valuable and worthy once you obtain them, what happens if you don't get them? you have just subtracted from your self-worth, which is what I mean by saying we temper with our own self-worth. Understand this. Your self-worth is immeasurable. Your worth and your value are rested on who you are, purely because you're human and you exist, period. So really think about the things in your life you want. If you're doing something in the posture of, this will prove A, B, C about who I am, what if it doesn't when you get it? There is nothing extrinsic that will make you feel whole and worthy and complete within yourself. 
it is almost impossible. I say almost because nothing is ever impossible, but it is almost impossible to be a vibration vibrational match to the good that we desire when we are misaligned via our own self-image and self-worth. The subconscious beliefs embedded must be identified and uprooted. You know, did your dad say, did your dad say you're stupid and dumb? Did your mom compare you to your cousins who were straight A students who were well-mannered and um, behaved around good company? I don't know whilst you were paying the ass or hard to bear. And now you walk around feeling as an adult inadequate. Your own present makes you feel uncomfortable because you think other people see what your mom saw. Why do you have the crippling need to be perfect at everything? Is it because you don't believe it's good enough or you're good enough? Because nothing you ever did before was good enough or appreciated. Or you want a relationship where you are seen, where you are appreciated, loved, validated, all of these things, and, and, and love for who you are, because you know innately that these things will feed your soul, or a person like this would really be a great addition to your life, yet. <laughs> oh, but yet. You meet a really nice person, a great person who is kind to you, who offers to buy you lunch, or to walk you to your class or job or whatever, and you tell, and they tell you how great you look and how wonderful you smell. But get this, you're already in your mind looking for reasons why they're so nice to you. You tell your friend, I don't know, friend, he's just too nice. Maybe he wants to sleep with me. <laughs> like, what? Obviously, he does eventually. I mean, once you do that, I, I don't know, <laughs> maybe he does. But have you seen yourself? Do you have a mirror? Also, can you imagine a world where someone is just beguiled by the essence of who you are? You haven't given yourself a first chance at love because you're scrutinizing the possibility of a great connection because of limiting beliefs. When I was when I was 16, I when I was 16 I met this really nice person. So the story so story time is when I was 16 I met this really nice guy. I saw him on a Friday after school and I was like damn this guy is so cute um so I had the whole weekend to marinate and kind of find out information about him so on Monday first thing in the morning technology class I told my two best friends then that there's this guy um I think his name is so and so and I really think like I'm gonna bag him and my friends were like are you talking about so and so and I was like yeah excited obviously and naive they're like um are you sure? Because, like, everybody kind of wants him. I don't know, maybe maybe it's too far in, you, in your reach, basically. You know, because he, he was what you would call, in the American terms, a jock. Everyone loved him. He was great in sports. Teachers loved him. He was just, like, everyone just liked him, right? Because I was naive and I didn't really have this thing of... I couldn't get anyone. Like, I just... I was very confident when I was younger. And so I tell you that on that Friday... I had had him. I told you that on a Friday, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. 
he was wonderful. He would walk me to um, my classes. He would walk me home carrying my, you know, a sports bag and his bag and my bag. He would buy me snacks. He was just really a really nice guy. And he would write me love letters. He would sing to me. He would hold my hand. He would, like, validate me and our relationship in front of everyone. He was just really a, a great catch, right? And I never thought that I didn't deserve it or, like, he was better than me in some way until my mom one day said, have you ever thought why he might be with somebody like you? Although I didn't get it at that time, but it hit me like a ton of bricks because that's when I feel like my insecurities around him and myself and the relationship, like, blossomed, basically, like weeds. Weeds don't blossom. But, yeah, you get the point. Um, I just started being very insecure and asking, who is this? Why are you talking to them? Like, just the relationship basically ended at the end of the day because I just became hyper-vigilant and insecure. That also, now as an adult, I didn't get into my, into many relationships after that, but now as an adult, I still have that kind of thing where I feel like the other person is better than me like I would be like why would you want me out of all these people why would you want me right I'm still working on that it's better now but like I know where that subconscious belief of um I'm not really deserving of someone who would treat me um like a princess basically so it's important to identify these things and work through them because what we often do is let our unresolved trauma and insecurities play through by self-sabotaging and crossing boundaries of, of the other person to see if they stick around. We want to, strangely enough, live out this self-fulfilling prophecy to validate the belief that I'm not enough and I'm unlovable. You know, we even see other people manifest back to back and then we want to assume that they are special because here I am, I'm a hard worker, I'm beautiful, I'm smart, but I'm not yielding the same results as them. It's because on a subconscious level, you don't believe that you are deserving. I completely stopped teaching yoga and using my gift as an energetic healer through Reiki, even though I was fully qualified, or I am fully qualified and initiated, because I truly didn't feel worthy to do these things. Who said you can help people connect to themselves and find stillness through mindfulness using their body and breath, blah, blah, blah? Who said you can facilitate a healing when you yourself are broken? It felt like I was living a lie. You know, I was wounded and depressed, but advocating wellness and health. What I failed to realize then is that a teacher is still a student always. My mom's friend is a nurse. She's probably been a nurse for 30 plus years, but she's studying. And I was like, shouldn't you know everything by now? Like, why are you torturing yourself? So it goes to show that like, even if you think you know everything, there's still stuff to learn. And I'm obviously putting out these episodes of my life journey and things that I feel like would be helpful, but I'm still learning myself. I digress. Um, I was in a community when I was in college with predominantly white people. I felt I couldn't identify with. And people like me were older and seemed like they had their shit together with luxury cars, great careers, and had their stuff figured out, I thought. 
I felt as if I was the only person there to find a place to belong and heal. And not that I was not well off myself. My tuition was always fully paid. I got good grades. I was able to participate in everything that everyone else was doing. I deserved to be in the room just like everyone else, but I felt so fake and unworthy of the opportunities I was presented with that this imposter syndrome robbed me of having connections and being fully present. Truly, I didn't know what any of them were going through. Right, what they were battling with. We scheme from the outside looking in at other people by default become covertious. We think they must have it easier. So we think that they have it easier. It must be nice to be them. When maybe if we know their journey, we could be looking from a lens of, wow, what a miracle story, a testimony of the hand of divine in their lives, that the same power and force that created their circumstance is also all about me and in due time. When we recognize that the person next to you is made out of the same material as you are and not necessarily different, the perception truly completely shifts. It's important we share parts of ourselves that make us human. Imperfection is part of the shared human experience. Just like Dr. Kristen says, we liberate ourselves from isolation by way of vulnerability, where we connect. We are not left alone outside in the cold. We are momentarily in a season, and even in the season where it's painful and overwhelming to be you, you are still, without a shadow of a doubt, worthy and valuable. Your current situation, your childhood trauma, your toxic relationships don't define your worth. You are never living in deficits. It can start by saying, hey, I've been there. My friend was telling me about her feelings of unworthiness. She is in the process of getting her driver's license, but this has been a theme currently in her life right now where she is masking all of these feelings with excessive drinking. She feels like she's sad for no reason. She just feels scared at like possibilities going forward with her life. This fear was just holding her back in her life. I could immediately see my story in her story. So the first thing I said to her, thank you for sharing, right? And I, I've been there. And, I've exp and I expressed to her that I've been there and matter of fact, still working on it. For me, it started with doing things that helped me rebuild trust in myself, to change the narrative in my head that if I believed that I was always late, I would make an extra effort to be early. If I slept till 5 p.m., I got nothing done, I would wake up early the next day and do something that would make me feel proud of myself at the end of the day. I am redefining myself. There's a lot of examples in your life um, that you could do that with. Just because you thought you are one way or someone told you that you are one way doesn't mean you can't think you are another way. Tell yourself who you are. I say affirmations of what I want to be true about myself and my life. I tell myself, I am creative, I am appreciated, I am worthy of unconditional love, I am smart, I am a powerhouse, I am divinely guided. You can obviously make your own affirmations to fit your life. Anyone who went against my true identity as I redefine myself, I will withdraw. I did that for two years, I moved to a new city, I changed my number, I just basically was in the dark night of the soul, just really trying to figure out what am I doing wrong in life? Why am I so unhappy? Why am I feeling so unworthy of all of these things? 
and I know that's the extreme, but our friends and family are the first to know something different. You know, they'll, since when have you started eating salads? Since when have you cut down on junk food? Since when have you started jogging? Since when have you started writing? All of these things, like, you know these things are true about yourself, but because they have not seen you outside of what they already know, they would, I guess, not necessarily come against that, but sometimes they do, but they point out these things that you now would have to ask yourself, well, when did I start doing these things? But you have to persist. If you have people who are not supportive and encouraging of your positive changes, a physical, emotional boundary would be a great thing to implement where you go away or just avoid having to have them around all the time to um, not be engulfed in the negative self-talk as you are on a path to reinvention. You have to put in the work, though. Social media has idealized instant success. People are literally manifesting what we see as overnight. We truly, when truly, we don't know these people. We, we really don't. Just because you've been following this person for five years doesn't mean you know them. We don't know anything about these people. We don't know what energy, sacrifice, hard work they put in to be where they are. Yet, we measure ourselves unfairly by comparing ourselves to them. Social media glamorizes the success and wins, but often not the background story, the work ethic, the discipline, the setback, and multiple denials that, that are inevitable when we're trying to obtain any kind of success. You see, you might see pregnant mamas on Instagram sharing their journey and be jealous of how probably easy it was to get pregnant when they've probably also been trying for years. How do you, how do you know that, Susan? How do you know? You don't know what anyone is going through truly. These endeavors that I pursued, but if I had to be real and honest with myself, I didn't even invest even 30% of what I needed to, to put in to finally, see a, to finally see a breakthrough. It would be unfair then on me to conclude that entrepreneurship is not for me or that maybe I'm not seeing results because I'm lacking in some capacity, that worth, abundance are not cut out for me, that these things that other people are, are able to achieve are because they're cut from a different cloth. That is not true. When instead I address my procrastination, sheer laziness, distractions that I give into, my lack of vision and drive, it is unfair and unrealistic to expect great results when I didn't even put in the type of work ethic necessary to birth great results. Also, I want to address the false narrative that when you are manifesting, you don't have to lift a finger. In some cases, it's true. God is not a vending machine. On some level, we have to work for the things we want. It might be a body, it might be health, it might be wealth, it might be health, it might be a healthy mindset. All of these things require some work and also work to maintain and keep them. So I've gotten to a point where I accept and believe that my desires, my dreams, my purpose, all of these things were placed in me by the divine. Where an idea was floating about in the, in, in the ethers and it saw me and came to me. It deemed me worthy as a vessel to live out its own purpose. So in a group of Reiki masters, yoga teachers, content creators, whatever. I walk in there and I tell myself I'm just as gifted. If you wanted to start a YouTube channel, 
put in the work, never mind the numbers. There's a group of people waiting for you, waiting for what you have to say. Start that business, make your music and put it out. Whatever it is, you are worthy. And maybe the lesson at the end of the day and the point of it all is not necessarily getting views or making six figures, traveling the world, but who you become in the process, a self-assured and validated person. Even through tough seasons where it's easy to believe the negative thoughts, your faith in yourself, as small as a master seed, will suppress the fear and anxiety and the self-deprivation where you're still able to love yourself unconditionally regardless of where you are in your life. That's all I had for you guys today. I hope I didn't trigger, trigger you guys because I was triggered having to prepare this. <laughs> um, but I really hope that you guys are enjoying the episodes. Please rate and follow me. Until next time, ciao.